Mi Manda Niganin podcast. Mi Gwech Bazindamek. Ani Kursa Ndijnikaz, Getkanzi Bi Ndonjaba, Mahinga Ndodem, Anishnabek and Kijik Dao. Hi, everyone. My name is Kursa Zak. I am the Anishnabek and Kijik servicing Garden River First Nation. Nindesha, Mi Gwanabi Kwe, the Anishnabe Nozwin. Uh, Jessica Jonas, Dijnika, Shaganashi Mang, Adik Dodem, Majikining Mina, Tik Mixing, Don Jaba, Rama, Don Debendagwis, Tik Mixing, Shuigo, Gibbe Koganigo, Mina, Nishnabe Mwin, Nekinoma again, Dao, Mampi, Niganin. So, uh, my name is Jessica Jonas. I'm the uh, Anishinaabe Mwin teacher at uh, Niganin, and uh, welcome to our podcast. Yes, welcome, Jess. It's finally nice to sit down and get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, you too. So should we, um, I don't know, start off and let everyone know what uh, what we're all about here and what this podcast is? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so my uh, job title is the Anishinaabek and Kijik. And like I said, I service Garden River First Nation and basically, I help community members um, if they need resume skills, um, interview preparation, if they need employment startup for a job. I did not know that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit of, I guess, about talking about myself. Um, I just started at Niganin here in uh, January. So, and I'm working remotely from home um, in my community, which is Rama. So I, I uh, forgot to translate that part in English, but uh, I'm a band member of Rama, but my mother is from a Chikmikshing. So that's where I grew up. Um, fast forward to today, I'm uh, currently living in Rama and uh, we're recording from uh, my son's former nursery, which has been trans- <laughs> transformed into my office. Um, so I'm new here. So I'm learning about Carissa as well, because I only see her on the on the computer once a week. So um, my role is to be the language teacher for staff at Niganin, which is, uh, you know, really awesome. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I too, myself, I'm working remotely from home as well. Uh, Jess, why don't you just tell me a little bit about yourself? How did you get to where you are today? Oh my God, that's a huge question. We're going to be here all day. (laughs) (laughs) You mean like uh, Niganin or what do you mean? Yeah, Niganin. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, hmm, That's a good question. Uh, Well, really, it's language that led me here as all things in my life. Um, Nishnabemwen, that's a really big passion of mine. Uh, I I didn't grow up with fluent parents or anything like that, um, but I did hear the language, like we had language class at daycare and school, or we go to powwows, right, and hear elders doing their prayers in the language. And I had no idea what they were saying, but I knew that I wanted to be one of them and I wanted to speak. <laughs> so I'm sure you can relate to Carissa. It's just been kind of um, like a lifelong pursuit, I guess you could say, or, or journey. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I uh, I don't know. I put in a lot of work, blood, sweat, and tears over the years. And uh, I don't want to say I was self-taught because uh, lots of fluent speakers and elders taught me. But uh, I guess you could say it was self-taught in a sense that uh, it wasn't in school. I didn't get a degree for it. I had to do it on my own time and kind of seek out those people. Um, and that kind of 
thing. So I, uh, I made some progress. I, I guess you could say I would be conversationally fluent. Um, you know, if there's no English uh, allowed, I could survive. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I have a teaching degree and people find out those two things and, and say, hey, we, like, why doesn't she just uh, come and, and show us, you know, what works? So that's pretty much how I see myself. And that's kind of how I got here at, uh, at Niganin. I think it's, it's pretty awesome that uh, we put the language and culture first and we make that a part of our work culture. Um, and uh, everyone here has been really awesome. My job is really easy. Chris is one of my students. She's awesome. Everyone's really great. Miigwech. I'm going to flip it back around on you. <laughs> How did you end up at Nigani? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, I guess kind of long story short, I was going to school um, for kinesiology. That's more of like in the science realm. Yeah. Uh, I took the year off in 2019. And then I was approached uh, for this job, the Anishinaabek and Kijik job, and had the interview and I was right in there. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Huh. So I've been here since 2019. Um, super special that I get to work with my own community because I am born and raised from Garden River First Nation. Um, learning the language has been probably one of the my number one goals when I took this job. I knew I wanted to be more fluent in the language just because my papa speaks it and my aunts and my uncles and my mom and they speak it. So I think that was one of my main goals. And Every week when we have class, I just look forward to it. I always make my little notes. and <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that your parents were fluent too. Um, my dad's not. Uh, my mom, she knows a few yeah. words here and there. Like she can keep up in a, yeah. in a conversation. <clears throat> but um, my papa is fluent. So I think, again, one of like my main goals was to speak so I can have that conversation with him and to be able to keep the conversation yeah. going. Yeah. Uh, yeah, myself, mm -hmm. uh, I didn't find out that my grandparents were fluent until they passed on. Like, and I was learning oh, the no. language while they were alive. So that's, uh, you know, and I'm sure lots of other people that are listening can relate to that. Um, so, like, that's such an amazing goal that you still have your grandparents uh, with you, like your papa who's fluent. Um, yeah. So yes. I'm curious, though, how do you... Do you speak with him or do you learn from him? What's that like? Well, I learn every he just because he knows that I'm not super fluent in the language. Um, he can say a few words and I'll I'll understand what he's saying. But sometimes I'll have to ask for clarification. And he knows, too, yeah. that I'm still learning. So he's super yeah. patient with me. Um, what else? Was, what else were we going to ask? Why are so many people hesitant to pass on the language? That's a listener question <laughs> from Riley, our communications <laughs> officer. <laughs> oh, man, that's a big question. Well, why are so that many big people, has, well, older, I guess, hesitant to pass on language? Hmm. Well, if I were to think back to my personal situation, like I was saying with my grandparents, who I, I was learning while they were alive, mind you, um, you know, they died fairly recently-ish into my language journey. So I think 
that was a big part of it is just they were old. <laughs> um, but I think the other <laughs> part too is like, and that's the reason I was asking Carissa about how it goes with her papa is um, it's hard. It's hard to learn the language, especially with family members. And I think fluent people, uh, they don't know what they know. So like what I mean by that is like we're all speaking English. We we all follow the same quote unquote grammar rules. There's certain things you say and don't say. Um, mm -hmm. So we know those inherently. But does that mean that we can break them apart and sit down with someone and be like, okay, so here's how you say this kind of thing, right? So I think that's a big part of it. For sure, for sure. And I find when you're younger learning a new language, yeah. it's almost a little bit easier opposed to yeah. learning it when yeah. you're older, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We see my son. I always talk about him. He's uh, one and a half and uh, we don't speak English to him. Uh, we just speak the language and he picks it up so fast. It's yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. That's, uh, that's the big aspiration is for, I think, for people like our generation, we're kind of the in-betweens. So we still have those older generations that are fluent. Um, and uh, us as adults, we have to learn, quote unquote, unideally with books or, I don't know, grammar rules and actually studying. Um, but so that <laughs> our kids don't have to do that, right? If we learn, then... Um, become fluent, then we can just speak to our kids and they can pick it up the way that uh, they're supposed to, like naturally in the home. Exactly, exactly. So have you started since birth? You started your yeah. son um, yeah. speaking the language? But me and my husband, oh, that's awesome. he, we still speak English to, <laughs> to each other all the time. Uh, so <laughs> like he says, my son says car. Because I don't realize how much me and my husband talk about the car to each other. And we try to correct him. And when he says car, we say daub on, daub on. And uh, he still wants to say car. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but it's, you know, it's <laughs> it's um, a lifelong journey. It's never going to be like we reached the, the summit of Mount Everest. And like now we're done and go back home and it's all over kind of thing. So Right. For sure. I think one thing I wish that when I was young, my parents did start yeah. me speaking the language yeah. like right from the get go. It's hard too, though, right? If we think about how I don't want to say how we lost the language, how the language was taken away from us was so traumatic. And, uh, yeah. you know, and and here at Nigani, we see that with our in our communities, um, with our clients, right? Um Mm -hmm. Oh, now I'm going to get all sad and emotional on our first podcast. <laughs> but I think that's the other part of it, too, why those older generations have a difficult time teaching us, because the way they learned English, like, for example, was so traumatic. And the things that they were told about our language and, you know, who we are um, is not valued, to put it nicely. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So that's a big part. For of sure, it. for sure. Now, yeah, it is definitely. To yourself, what is the best thing working for, working for an Indigenous like Nigani organization? <laughs> um, yes. Well, for me, it's always going to be language. That's one of the the main parts. But I think if I were to 
broaden that right looking looking outwards i feel like i i was thinking about this today and for myself personally um i've only ever worked for non-indigenous organizations a couple of times in my life it's been all nishnabe organizations um and it so that let me appreciate what we have a little bit more anyway my answer to your question um is the flexibility and the creativity <laughs> that isn't necessarily there in these bigger mainstream organizations. Um, you know, so like if we, you know, when I first started here as the language teacher, it was like, what do you guys want me to do? You know, other than teach language. And, and it's like, well, what do you want to do? What do you think? Right. <laughs> so, okay. So I started, um, you know, having class, having drop-ins, word of the day, um, now I'm switching it to uh, language tutorial every week, uh, language challenge, that kind of thing, right? Um, yeah, because, you know, it, most yeah. of us are, are Anishinaabe in this organization. Uh, like the leadership is Anishinaabe and they really uh, understand these things, the importance of language and um, that we have to be uh, creative. We get the job done, but we also have to uh, incorporate who we are as people our culture, our language, it's the best. <laughs> I'm biased. but It is the best. <laughs> what about you, Carissa? I want to turn that question back on you. What's the best? Uh, no, what was your question? Why is it so great to work for an Indigenous organization? Yes. So I think for myself, like you said before, it's nice working for an Indigenous organization because you work with like-minded individuals who understand that the past has affected where we are today. And and we learn about the past and we learn about mm -hmm. how our, our organization came to be. And everyone is so welcoming and so understanding. And I think I'm also being a little bit biased, but my Inkijik team, oh, they're great, all of them. If one of us needs help, like one of us jumps right in, we are always there for each other. Everyone is super supportive. Yeah. And like you said, so everyone it's is very also, flexible. it's the the culture, the yeah. community too. That's what I'm that's what I'm hearing. Right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. One of my again, one of my biggest goals was always once I graduated to come back and work for my community and help those in my community. So it's special working in garden just because I was born and raised here and every day I work with a different multiple community members and the goal is to just mm -hmm. help them and, in their and endeavors and whatever too, they're looking for. Right? And so where they that goes a long way for sure. Especially exactly, you know at, yes. and um if you're accessing those services in town, it's it's not gonna be the same welcoming experience as it is from our own people. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel that people have been um, a little bit more, what's the word I want to use, open in in working with me and coming to receive our services because I am a familiar face. And regardless if they don't know me personally, they know my parents or they know my grandparents or they know my aunts and uncles. So everyone is super close knit around here. So everyone knows everyone. So I think that's been a super... <laughs> Yeah, and Plus, just like even if I think about Niganin in particular, when I first came here in January, I was floored by uh, like how nice everyone was. 
And I was, I thought, are they just because I'm new? And then I'm going <laughs> to find out what people are really like. And it's been three or four <laughs> months. And no, they're, everyone's just nice. <laughs> everyone's just super nice. And it's a breath of fresh, fresh air when you come into Nagalning because ex- I felt the exact same way. Is everyone just being nice because yeah, I knew? I was, I and, was actually, but no, everyone is super nice uh, here. With another coworker. And uh, she said it almost made her feel uncomfortable because <laughs> she, she wasn't used to that. You know, it took getting used to, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. The other thing too, is like, I find the, the leadership here, uh, it's so great. Um, or that's been my experience. Uh, like we had a couple of us had training like two weeks ago, it was facilitator mm-hmm. training and, uh, we, we learned all these awesome facilitation skills, but there was also a huge like team building part to it. And, uh, by, so we were there Monday to Friday and by Friday I was, mm-hmm. exa- I was zoomed out and I was exhausted, but I was riding high on all the lovey-dovey vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I definitely can understand that too. One of uh, my supervisors, Tasha, she says this I almost every time we talk, you know, she always makes sure no one gets left behind. So working at Nagan teamwork and that closeness and closeness of everyone is definitely one of the main main um pillar strength what's the word i want to use <laughs> okay we have pillars, another listener yes, thank question you. main pillars <laughs> from riley she wanted to know why facilitation training <laughs> um the easy answer is because uh everyone Everyone else in that training minus me was a facilitator. So we have uh, Minot Bamadzada facilitators. Um, as for myself, I'm a teacher and I'm new. And uh, we also have another language teacher who has started this last month. Um, his name's Albert Owl and he's from Zgamuk, Zagamuk. Um, he's, he's a fluent speaker. Um, anyway, so Albert j- joined in with, with me too. Um, and uh, it was really helpful to get those uh, facilities, you know, as a teacher, you're taught one way, this is, this is my way or the highway. Um, but the facilitation training, it was a lot more uh, focused on the participants yeah. and that kind of thing. So it really, uh, um, yeah, it really helped. And I, I wish more places, I didn't get this much training at other jobs either. So there's another bonus right there. Bonus for sure. I'm actually super excited. I didn't have yeah. the facilitator training yet. So that is the one thing that I'm looking forward to. More yeah. cool tricks Especially and hacks on Zoom. To, it's uh, hard to, you know, to help the community everything's members. Everything's harder on Zoom, not being in person. So it was helpful to see that. Yeah. So <laughs> actually, um, because I don't know you that well, Carissa, I want to get to know a little bit more about you personally. What are you, uh, what are you into? What are your likes, dislikes, that kind of thing? (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, um, I have been into sports my entire life. I grew up playing uh, competitive hockey. Uh, My first year midget, I blew out my knee. So I unfortunately had to stop playing. 
Um, but other than that, I graduated from Sioux College mm-hmm. with an occupational physiotherapy assistant uh, certificate. And then I went on to Laurentian and I com- I'm in the middle. I'm taking online classes right now, but um, I'm in my third year of kinesiology. Um, love the outdoors. Love spending time oh, with family. I come from a big family. I'm one of seven siblings. That, that was going to be uh, my and next. I have two nephews. <laughs> yeah, seven siblings. I'm somewhere in the middle. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have two older siblings, and both of my older siblings uh, both have sons. And then I have... Oh my goodness, I always have to count every time I get to this question. I have four younger siblings. Um, One of my brothers did pass when I was young. (laughs) And um, I have a little dog niece. Her name is Lola. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I love golfing. I love hiking. We have a camp probably about an hour north of Garden River. Uh, So any chance I can get in the outdoors, I have a four-wheeler as well. So any chance I can get in the outdoors and take advantage of the land, I was the injury what sparked your occupational therapy and kinesiology? Because that was how your timeline went. You got injured and then... uh... (laughs) Good question. Good question. Uh, So yeah, my, um, my injury definitely sparked my interest in the more of the helping field, I want to say too, but in the kinesiology. So kinesiology has to deal with the human body and how it works all together. So when I blew out my knee, um, I went to rehab physiotherapy and it was just, it was like something just clicked inside of me. That's what I wanted to do when they were helping me. Um, when they were helping me, you know, get back to where I was before, that is, uh, that is what I wanted to do. Ah, And I knew that's what I wanted to do. And, and one of my main things was I wanted to help people. Yes. And yes. And I wanted to stay because sports was such a a big part of my life growing up. I wanted to stay in the sports realm. (laughs) Okay. That's pretty cool. In other ways. Yes. Okay. Yes, um, I'm you. boring. Tell me um, a little <laughs> bit more about yourself. Um, well, yeah, it's funny. Like there was, uh, there was <laughs> Jessica before I became a mother and the, and the pandemic, which both happened around the same time. So like how I lived then to now, it's like now I don't even know. I just survive from day to day, to be honest. Um, yeah. So before that, uh, well, my husband—he's <laughs> from uh, Wiki, Wikwam Kong, uh, but he's in the military. So uh, he's stationed in CFB Trenton, which is just outside of Belleville. So we used to live in that Quinty West area on uh, Lake Ontario um, for his work. Uh, then we had my son, so we stayed put long enough to okay. have the baby. Um, then we moved back to Rama. So I haven't lived in Rama since I was like six. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then that was right at the height of the pandemic. So uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, before, before all of that, uh, I've been jing- well, I've been powwow dancing since I was two, since as long as I could remember. Um, so I was jingle dress dancing when I could. Uh, and me and my husband, we really like to travel. So we've gone to uh, South America, 
Um, for our honeymoon, we went to Argentina, uh, Patagonia, Mendoza, wine region, uh, Buenos Aires. Uh, that, yeah, then we went to Rio de Janeiro in, in Brazil. Um, wow. Where else have we got? Mexico. Me and my mom went to uh, France for a couple of weeks and backpacked around. Um, yeah, so that's what we were doing before. Then we had a baby, so that wasn't going to happen. Then the pandemic hit, so then that really wasn't going to happen. <laughs> but uh, like before the before the <laughs> pandemic, um, I would say I was indoorsy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my husband is really outdoorsy, like he's hunting, fishing, golfing, uh, that kind of thing. And so I would just let him do his thing. Um, and then I would just, you know, stay inside and binge Netflix or whatever. But uh, it's since the pandemic has has hit, um, we spend a lot of time outdoors now. We bought a pontoon. <laughs> we go fishing all the time. Uh, we're getting a camp pretty soon because um, that's the only thing that is safe that we can do. Uh, so it's been the silver lining for me in the oh, pandemic because nice. I've learned new things about myself. And so that's something that we're, we're always going to have is, uh, you know, now I, now I ask my husband, can you take me hunting with you? <laughs> I need to get out of the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, we have a second episode that has already recorded. Uh, it's going to be myself, Jessica Shonias, Carissa Zach, and Robin Reckley. We talk about some important topics, language, family, residential school, uh, some serious and important stuff, but also there's some light and some hope in there too. So stay tuned for episode two coming soon.